0: Welcome to Pickaxe and Roll, part of the Mile High Sports Podcast Network and brought to you by Superbook Sports. I'm your host, Ryan Blackburn at NBA Blackburn on Twitter. As I mentioned, part of the Mile High Sports Podcast Network, we've been doing a whole bunch of stuff. Over at Mile High, just got done with watching the Avs, just absolutely, absolutely ripped the hearts out of Tampa Bay Lightning fans with a four to three overtime victory. That was a lot of fun to watch. Delayed our podcast recording because we were having such a good time. Uh, but I knew I wanted to get on a very special guest, somebody that I think a lot of Nuggets fans will be very familiar with, especially if you have a Twitter account. Uh, it is CT Fazio. Uh, your name's Chris, uh, Chris Tomlinson, I, I'm pretty sure. And he's been doing draft coverage for a long time. He's doing stuff over at Crown Hoops for a long time. And he's as knowledgeable about the Nuggets as just about anybody. So wanted to get his get him on, pick his brain a little bit, and talk about this NBA draft. Chris, how are you doing, man?
1: Hey, Ryan. Thanks for having me on. Um, you know, great to finally, you know, sit down and talk and, and uh, you know, talk Nuggets especially. Um, been following your work for a while now. So, um, you know, like I say, great to talk draft. And, you know, no no better time, exciting time. and. In the NBA offseason for me, than the draft. So, uh, looking forward to it.
0: Hundred percent. It's it's uh, it's always a fun time for me because when I first wanted to get into this business of sports, like every uh, bright eyed, bushy tailed eighteen year old that went into sport management, I was hoping to be a GM in sports. And and you realize quickly that it's a very it's it's very hard to get to that level. But the the allure of it and the the vision of it is never something that has really left me. I've always liked to craft plans and game plan for different things, try to predict what the nuggets or other teams are going to do. And I know that you're you're very much in that same light, especially with regards to the NBA draft, trying to kind of predict where these guys are going and and how good these guys are going to be. so I'm curious i'm I'm excited to pick your brain about some of this stuff. Uh, we're going to start with some prospects, but before that, I just want to get your thoughts on the trade that just went down on Monday. Uh, Denver obviously trades Jamichael Green to the Oklahoma City Thunder along with a 2027 protected first. They get back the 30th overall pick, as well as a couple of future seconds. Uh, when you saw that first go down, was that a good deal in your mind? A bad deal in your mind? What were you thinking? Oh, for me, I thought it
1: was a good deal. Um, you know, definitely sitting down and kind of you know examining the trade as a whole. Um, for me, I think Jamichael Green, I think his first year he was definitely very good as far as being a good contributor when Jeremy Grant, you know, left the team. And then I think this past year, you know, playing with the, the kind of roster that they had where he was kind of the, you know, the, the five man. I think he kind of struggled in that aspect. And then, you know, Bones obviously came into the fold. And he played well. Uh, DeMarcus Cousins, too, at center. I think that really helped Jamichael kind of ease into a role at the four, where I think he was best suited at. Uh, you know, it's a shame to see him go, you know, because I think he was a good locker room guy for them. But as far as the trade as a whole, you know, I think it was good that they picked up the 30th pick and then, you know, they traded a pick that was pretty far down the line in 2027. So, you know, by that time, that's probably what, five years down the road. So um, I think it actually gives them a little more flexibility to, you know, to win more in the now um, to kind of use that pick, whether they want to make a selection. Um, I think there's some good options uh, in that range that could be available that could contribute to the Nuggets right away or if they want to kind of attach that to, you know, uh, an asset on the team right now. So whether that's you know, maybe like Will Barton or Monte Morris, where they could attach, you know, that asset to one of the players where they can kind of get an upgrade on the perimeter. I think that also could be a beneficial move as well. So I think Calvin Booth has a lot of flexibility at his disposal. And, you know, I'm looking forward to next week to see, you know, what they do with the pick.
0: It's a great point. And, and one of the things that I'm going to add, there was a lot of discussion about, oh, Denver got the 30th pick. It's very unlikely that the 2027 pick is going to be 30 or kind of equivalent to that it's going to be higher than that. So Denver kind of got negative value on their pick in order to move up 5 years. And what I kind of say to people with that is like have you ever thought about the time value of money and what teams are actually looking for? Like they they really especially when you're talking about actual assets. If I told you that you could get the 30th pick now or the 25th pick 5 years later, I think most people would take the pick now because it gets somebody into their team that they or, or just an, an asset that they can play around with and trade to other teams that are interested in the, the help now, people don't want to hear about the 2027 pick. They, they would rather hear about the draft picks that they're getting now and, and have that flexibility. I really do think that Denver benefits from that for sure, on top of getting a couple of other second-round picks and whatnot. But uh, it was a salary dump. There's no, there's no way around that. And I do think that it was important for Denver to kind of get some salary flexibility. Uh, having done some of that work and kind of knowing what Denver's working with now. But I do think like there's a lot of guys in this draft too, that you could get at the 30th overall pick and feel really good. Like I, I have, a I have some guys in mind for the 30th overall pick that I probably wouldn't draft at 21, but they could still be really helpful pieces for Denver as soon as this year. Would you like, do you concur?
1: Definitely. I definitely concur. You know, I definitely have a, you know, a bunch of options in that range where, um, whether they're guards or hybrid forwards or maybe stretch forwards, where I think that they could be contributors. Um, also, another aspect of that deal that I really liked was uh, Calvin Booth getting two second round picks. Um, I think the, the the second round, you know, cupboard was kind of bare. Um, Tim, you know, Connolly traded a, a bunch of second rounders over the past, like, I think two years. You see the Javale McGee trade; he traded two second round picks. Personally, I thought that was a bit of an overpay. Um, he also used an, uh, a pick to dump ball ball and attached with uh, PJ Dozier. So. Um, if you look at the past couple of drafts, they haven't really had any second round um any second round picks. And you know, me being a draft guy, I kind of like, you know, having a bunch of swings where they could, you know, get a guy in that second round range on a two-way
0: contract. Um, you know, also well, just, they they drafted in back-to-back years Monte Morris and Jared Vanderbilt. Like right, right. it's a it's a it's a really useful thing that they they drafted Nikola Jokic a 41 overall. Like, come on now, it's a, it is a an absolute tool that you can't just throw away willy-nilly if you're trying to get things done.
1: Exactly. You know, and then you see the two-way contracts and, you know, the beginning of their tenure, you see like uh, a Tory Craig, a PJ Dozier, Amante Morris, Jared Vanderbilt, you know, in kind of years past we haven't seen any of those two-way guys really be contributors. See like a Marcus Howard. He hasn't been a contributor. See Greg Whittington. He wasn't a contributor. Bull, bull. We obviously know what happened with him. Um, and then who, I don't know. There was probably another, uh, someone I'm forgetting out of two-way as well, but really the two-way kind of aspect has been, haven't really been contributors in that way. So uh, maybe those second-round picks in you know next year could be someone that can add to the roster that could help out, you know, with with depth.
0: Hopefully so. I I do like the idea of just stocking the cupboard a little bit. Like you said, it's a little bare. When I was looking at some of Denver's draft capital, it was pretty depressing in terms right. of what they actually had to work with. So it's nice that they move up a pick by five years. They could potentially use that, or they they at least get a couple second-round picks back in the pipeline that they can either trade in other trades or just just potentially uh, use and, and add to the depth of the roster. But for now, uh, let's actually take a quick break. When we come back, we are going to get into your guys, your prospects in this draft. But first, summer is here, and there's no better time to make your first bet with Superbook Sports. Along with its usual vast betting menu, Superbook already has a lineup for every pro football game this fall. Plus. When you make your first deposit on the Superbook app or sign up at superbook.com, they will match 100% of your money up to $500. That's incredible. It's never too early to start thinking about football at Superbook Sports. Place your bet and start winning today. Visit superbook.com for terms and conditions. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700. We'll be right back on Big Axe and Roll. back pickaxe and roll ryan blackman here thank you so much for tuning in i am joined today by ct fazio you know him as ct fazio on twitter just make sure to give this nice gentleman a follow he has been doing nuggets coverage for a long time as well as nba draft coverage and we're gonna fuse the two together right now uh i was on the dnvr podcast a couple weeks ago i'm pretty sure and during that show they did rise guys ryan's guys and so i listed four players on that show. Malachi Branham, Jalen Williams, Marjon Beauchamp, and Wendell Moore as guys, pretty self-explanatory guys that could help Denver in the short-term and in the long-term. Long wings with skill and defense, not as much for Malachi, but I mean, his ceiling is still pretty high offensively in my mind. Um, I'm not going to let you pick any of those guys to be your guys. I'm not going to let you do it. And I am going to have you pick your own list of players. It could be three, it could be four, it could be seven. I don't know how many of your guys you have in this draft, but it doesn't necessarily even have to be for the Nuggets specifically, but who are the guys like without picking any of those ones that I listed, who are the players in this draft that you keep finding excuses to move up your big board?
1: I think for me, especially, um, you know, in the Nuggets range, obviously, I think everyone knows on Twitter, I've been pretty vocal about my uh, Marjan Bochamp ranking. Um, You know, for me, I think he's the guy the Nuggets should take. But the, the one guy for me that I really have been moving up my board is Christian Brown from uh, Kansas. Uh, he was kind of, you know, the second guy uh, behind uh, Ochei Abaji this year. You know, they won the national title. Um, you know, Ochei obviously had a, a really great year. He's probably going to be a near lottery pick. And he would be someone I would, you know, look at for the Nuggets as well, but I don't think he's going to be available for them. Um, Christian Brown for me, you know, he's a junior, a little bit of an older player, which I think the Nuggets really need as far as kind of, um, you know, getting older veteran perimeter players. But, uh, you know, Brown, he obviously increased his points per game uh, every year that he was at Kansas. 39% career three-point shooter. Um, you know, pretty big sample size, Six-seven, uh, good wing defender at the point of attack, pretty strong. You know, 14 points a game, seven rebounds, three assists for a wing. I think that's, that's pretty good. He showed, you know, some incre- definitely, definitely showed an increased uh, capability for passing this year, whether that was in the pick and roll, um, whether that was in isolation or on the move as well. Um, and I, for me, I just like that he's a competitor. I like that he's, he's out there talking a bunch of smack. Um, kind of in the mold of Murray, you know, we've kind of missed that with with Murray out, where you have that guy who's a competitor. You know, kind of Gordon was like that guy this year, um, yeah. But for me, Christian Brown is just, you know, he's the kind of like a do it all wing, where you're not really going to be asking him to, you know, say, you know, go create offense or go run a bunch of pick and rolls. We're going to kind of say, you know what, rebound the ball at a high level, be a nice, be a good cutter. He's a pretty good athlete as well. I think he had one of the highest verticals of the combine too, and yeah. also he's a 39 career three point shooter. So. I think for the Nuggets especially and, you know, wings in general in this class looking for guys who could defend at a competent level, but also hit threes, uh, you know, at open rate. So, you know, we're seeing in the finals too, a bunch of wing players are making contributions, you know, Gary Payton, Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, um, you know, the list goes on. So I think you can't really have too many wings. And I think Brown, you know, fits the description as somebody who could be a a playoff contributor.
0: He's not in my top tier of the wing guys that they could potentially get. I I, I listed those guys. Like, I I think that, Jalen Williams, Marshawn Beauchamp, a little bit, I, I value them a little bit higher. I can understand if somebody had Christian Brown over Wendell Moore, like somebody like that's who is a little bit maybe more precise on the defensive end as both an on-ball and off-ball guy. Uh, he's a, a more reliable three-point shooter, I think, from the, from the perspective of he has a larger sample size of being a better three-point shooter in college. And he's also just a, a pretty versatile player, pretty tough. Uh, definitely going to be a better athlete than somebody like Moore, although, although Wendell is all doing some, doing some great stuff himself. Uh, I was a little bit worried about the negative wingspan. Uh, being a like a 6'6 wingspan for a 6'7 guy, that's usually the kiss of death in terms of wing contributors on the defensive end. Christian Brown seems like a player that could break that mold. Uh, I, I, his attitude is definitely up there with some of the the most stout in in college basketball, somebody who's definitely going to get into your grill and tell you all about it. Uh, I enjoyed the the story that Sam Vecini talked about when he was sitting courtside while Christian Brown was just shit-talking Villanova for the entire Final Four game, I'm pretty sure. Uh, A lot of stuff like that. A lot of stuff like that with him where he's just absolutely uh, in guys' ears and and kind of being that irritant, uh, but at least somebody that can really back it up. He's a good player to have on your board. If Denver drafted him at 21, I'd be fine with it. I don't know if he's going to be a starter, but he's definitely going to be a role player in the NBA.
1: Right, for sure. You know, I think in that 20 range, I think that's what you're looking for. I think you're looking for guys who can be contributors on playoff rosters. You know, see, like, the Bucks have a pick in that range. Obviously, some of the, the playoff teams have picks in, the, in that range. Um, I think you're looking for contributors, at the, at the you know, at the least. I think um, whether they contribute to a rotation, you know, hitting open threes, uh, you know, playing good defense. Um, you know, cutting as well. I think with Brown, I think you're looking for a guy who's who has a a pretty good baseline of skills. Obviously, the wingspan, I think that's definitely an important point as far as you know, you want guys who have lengthy wingspans and, um, you know, being able to contest shots and and close out. But for him, I just think he's he's so uh tough with the point of attack. Um, I really don't think that I really have confidence that he's going to be someone who's going to work his way up, being someone who could who could play right away, uh, especially being an older guy in the class,
0: right. He definitely could. I, I I could definitely see him being in a playoff rotation pretty close to immediately. Uh, Denver probably would have wanted to put him into that position, unlike how they put it bones into that position, but uh, we'll just have to see how that goes. Who's your next guy?
1: I think for me, uh, Dale and Terry is another guy um, in that range. On my list.
0: On yes, my list.
1: For sure. You know, another wing, I, I believe he's about six, seven. Um, mm-hmm. You know, he played uh, next to another guy next to Benedict Mathur, and He's kind of a similar uh, aspect in that role where, you know, uh, Brown played next to Oshai Baju who's going to go high in the draft. And now Terry's uh, played beside Bathurin. who's going to be a top 10 pick. Uh, for me, I, I really like the improvements Terry made in his game this year. Um, someone who's kind of was a little bit more on the, I would say, on the on the raw end of the spectrum as far as, um, you know, skill set wise. Um, good defender at six, seven. I think, you know, in comparison to Brown, he has a, a pretty big wingspan. Um, someone who's a good defender. Brown is more, I would say he's a stronger at the point of attack where Terry's more uh, you know, lanky, lanky, um, good athleticism. I've seen some good passing grades at him as well. Obviously, the jump shot took a pretty big leap this year. I think he shot about thirty six percent. He only averaged eight points, which is a bit of a concern. Um, you'd like to see a little bit more production on that end, but I do like the the physical tools that he has, um and someone who could probably guard. I would probably say one through three, which is pretty important. Um, you know, being versatile in that aspect, guarding multiple positions, especially on the perimeter, I think that's that's very important. And, a valuable skill set that he could, you know, they could bring to an NBA team right away.
0: 100%. No, I, I like him. And one of the reasons why I do, especially for a team like Denver, not every team needs scoring. Not every team needs a guy that, that has to go out there and be great off the dribble, be a great pick and roll creator. Although he does do some of those things. And like, it, it was very impressive watching some of his passes, like even more so than Brown. I think, I think, I think Dale and Terry is an elite passer. In this draft, it's, it's kind of crazy to watch some of the, or the reads that he makes. Uh, but he seems like a guy who's good at everything but the scoring aspect. He's right. a good defender. He's a good rebounder. He's a good passer. Uh, he plays the the passing lanes pretty well. He can be just is a good athletes, but he doesn't shoot the ball well. And for a team like Denver, like they've got Murray. They've got Porter. They've got Jokic. They've got Bones. Do they really need Dale and Terry to be an elite scorer. I I don't think that's the case. So if I'm, if I'm making a bet on guys that I I'd be willing to draft at 21, Dale and Terry is pretty high on that list now.
1: For sure. Definitely. You know, I've definitely, I've, for me, you know, I've been, you know, constantly preaching on, on the timeline, you know, Denver has their three core guys. They have their three bucket getters. You know, Jokic took a huge lead this year, as far as the offensive production where now he's, you know, basically could average 30 points and came in a playoff series and we won't, we won't even blink twice. Jamal Murray coming back, we're obviously going to have to see how his health holds up, but, you know, I'm confident that he's going to bounce back and at least be like a 17 a game scorer when he comes back, which is you know, pretty good. And Michael Porter Jr., obviously, we know he's going to shoot the ball pretty well. You know, God willing, he's healthy, um, but obviously good rebounder, good cutter. You know, those three guys think that's a, the perfect baseline of skills. And even Aaron Gordon, you know, he was a guy who I thought his offense, you know, looked better this year, even though at times in the playoffs, they, you know, with Draymond, they left him open a little bit, but. I just think in the regular season, he's a guy who also could scale up a little bit offensively. So if you see, you know, those skill sets that you need in between those guys, you need, you know, a lengthy defender, someone who's athletic, probably somewhere around like the six five to six seven range. You know, I think you know, like I, like we mentioned before, Bochamp fits that description, Christian Braun fits that description, Dalen Terry fits that description, Wendell Moore fits that description. So I think there's the theme, where six five to six seven range, athletic, lengthy, could shoot the ball at a decent clip. I think those skill sets, just having someone who has a defined role between, you know, the big three. I think that's, that's something that's very important. I think, you know, like Calvin Booth, I think he even alluded to it in his interview that he had looking for defensive minded players. And I think those guys fit the bill.
0: For sure. And I've been, I've been saying this on podcasts and I think online that I, I think the Nuggets are going to be operating under a policy of you must be this tall to ride, which is, <laughs> it can't be, can't be drafted in six, three guys anymore, which is unfo- unfortunate because, a guy like Ty Ty Washington, who I think is actually going to be really good, who is going to be a good player in the NBA, who has been mocked to Denver on several mock drafts for whatever reason, he is not a good fit with the Nuggets. And it, despite, no. even if they trade, even if they trade Monte Morris, even if they trade uh, Bones Highland, Denver should not be trying to get smaller. They should absolutely right. be trying to get bigger. And to your point. 6'5 to 6'7, that's the range of most of these players where you need to be switchable. You need to be capable of guarding several positions at once. Uh, it's also just about coverage. It's also about defensive playmaking and guarding outside of your area. There's only so much area that a six for three guy can cover. Right. So I, I think that while I think Ty Ty Washington is an excellent bet to be a great NBA player, because there's a, a strong penchant for Kentucky guards to be pretty good that they've been, they've been just hitting home runs every single, every single year. He's just not a good fit for the Nuggets. So he is one of my guys, but he's not a Nuggets guy. If that makes sense.
1: Definitely. You know, definitely. I think the Nuggets this year, they had a bunch of guys, six, three, you know, and under um, the height requirement. thing. I think that's definitely, I think it's a, it's a very valid, you know, very valid statement. I, I agree with it completely. You know, if you look at Faku Camposo, Bryn Forbes, um, Bones, you know, Monte, there's just a, a, a an abundance of guys in that range. Even, kind even of like, Rivers.
0: Like, like honestly, right. Austin Rivers was a guy that they were using to guard these six foot seven wings. That dude is six three, six four. Like, what are we doing right. here?
1: Come on now. Right. <laughs> it was definitely unfair to him, as far as you know, he was like him and Gordon were the only perimeter defenders who were who were pretty, you know, capable this year. Um, and I, I do think they should bring Rivers back as well. Um, yeah. but you know, like you said, definitely that high requirement, it was it was a problem, you know. If you saw in the playoffs where Malone had to turn to Faku at one point. It just didn't even work because he was just too small to really even, um, you know, have a chance out there. So I think you just need that baseline. You need that baseline of 6'5 to 6'7. Um, and even then, at least, at least you have that baseline of skills where if all else fails, at least you, you have a chance to, to make an impact.
0: Do you have any more guys in the, the general Nuggets range, or do you want to move on to some lotto guys that you think pretty highly of? Um,
1: I think, I think we mentioned a lot of those guys, you know, Bo Champ is on my list. Uh, Christian Brown, Wendell Moore, uh, like you mentioned, Dalen Terry, um, Jalen Williams as well. Uh, I would say Jake Laravia too, but for me, I think he's more of a four. Um, I don't think he's more of a, a wing in that aspect. You know, the Nuggets have a bunch of those guys. Um, considering if Blackout comes back, you have um, Jeff Green, you have Zeke Naji, you have Aaron Gordon, Porter Jr. could slide to the four as well. Um, so, I th- yeah, no, I think we covered a lot of those, a lot of those guys.
0: I'm releasing my power forwards article tomorrow and I, I talk about in there. I also talk about EJ Liddell, who I really enjoyed watching film of. He That dude gets some crazy blocks and has some crazy defensive possessions. So it would not surprise me if Denver was like, ah, all the all the great wings are off the board. Let's just get a, a really high quality defender, even if it's not that the position that we're looking for. Uh, I want to move up to the lotto really quickly before we go to the, the opposite end of the spectrum. I and mean, guys, you're moving down your board. Three guys in the lotto that I think that, like, they won't be Denver guys in all likelihood, but I think really highly of are A.J. Griffin, Dyson Daniels, and Osman Jang. All three of those guys, like, they are perfectly catered to the modern NBA. A.J. Griffin especially. Uh, Dyson Daniels is one of those unique prospects I think people are going to want to know about because he's, he's just a dynamic player in the open court. Reminds a lot of people of Lonzo Ball. Uh, and Osman Jang is is completely off of everybody's radar for, for, a, for one reason or another, because he's foreign for one thing. But he like he has some serious skills. It's gonna take a little bit with him, but I, I'm I'm really impressed with him. Any guys that stand out to you?
1: Um, and as far as my lotto, um for me, I'm I'm a huge Palo Bonchero fan. Um I know he's he's been mocked in the top three. Just, I actually have number one in the class. Um, I think you do too. I think you, you, I read your board as well. No. For me, I just think it's it's really tough to find a guy that like Palo's size. I think he measured in at six ten, where he could dribble, pass, and shoot at such a high level. Um, if you look at Jabari Smith, he can't he can't do that. You know, he's more in the Michael Porter range where he really can't dribble. And if you kind of get in his airspace, take away the three. I mean, what you know, what's going to happen now? But I do think he's a good enough shooter where I think it's it's worth taking him in the top three. Um, But for Banchero, for me, you know, if you looked in the tournament as well, he really elevated his game. And that's where I really look for in prospects, where, you know, obviously you take the NCAA tournament, you don't really weigh that, you know, heavily as far as that in the regular season. But I do like the Banchero when the, you know, when the lights were bright and, you know, the games really mattered, he scaled up and elevated his game. As far as you saw, he was, you know, someone who was a mismatch nightmare in the post, um, you know, taking his game on the perimeter where he was doing a bunch of pump fakes and getting to the rim. And I think the, the really – I don't even know if it's underrated at this point, but he's just a really, really elite passer. I think he's one of the best passers in this class. Um, yeah. You know, he could pass on the move. He could pass out the post. He could pass from the top of the key. Um, where I think you can even run some offense through him as well, you know, even you know in some horn sets or even at the top of the key in the post. Um, so, Banchero is definitely a guy for me where I'm higher on him than the consensus where I see a lot of people have Jabari Smith at the top. But for me, I just think Paolo Banchero is the, the guy for me at number one where I think it's an easy bet that um, he's going to be the best player in the class?
0: He's definitely the guy for me right now. I, I think you could make a credible case for any of the top four, honestly, not even three. Like, I think Jaden Ivey's another guy that you could make a credible case for. Um, but I, I just, I, I struggle with Chet Holmgren's frame. I struggle with Jabari Smith's kind of lack of passing. And Ed Carroll just was, was somebody that I thought, okay, here, here's a here's a well-rounded guy that I trust to be really good. He could just be Tobias Harris, but he also could be more. So. Right. We'll, just, we'll just have to see. Um, who are some players in the draft that you keep finding excuses to move down your board? I know that there's a lot of guys when we're, we're kind of going through our big boards. It just you, you, you like certain guys and you pick out certain guys in their film and you just keep moving them up. And then there are certain guys that you're just like, I, I, I can't find any reason to move you up. And you just start trending down on the board. Who are some of those guys for you?
1: Definitely. Um, I'm going to give one more name actually for, you know, whom I'm higher on. Uh, I want to okay. mention John, Johnny Davis. Um, who's a guy I think the nuggets actually have been kind of linked to um, you know at the combine. Um, he's a guy for me where I really think, especially in Denver, he'd be he'd be a fantastic fit. He'd be an ideal fit. um six five really, really high level defender. Um, he does the little things out there. He's great trail defender as far as you know getting around screens, really good pick and roll defender, um, someone who's who's really fast out there, uh, you know getting through screens and Screen navigation. I think that's important. And you see Wisconsin. He was just in a really bad context. You know the spacing out there was really really bad. He was driving into the paint. He had like two of his two of his big men in the paint at all times. So he really couldn't even kick out the shooters or anything like that. So I think the context for him is really bad. I don't think he's going to be an on-ball guy, um, but I do think that he could play off the ball as well. So um, I have in my top five right now. I just think that he's someone who could be a two-way contributor. Uh, you know, early on in his career, and then obviously I think the. I think he has a really good mid-range game. I think the three-pointer is a work in progress, but um, I think I've seen enough for him where I think he could be, um, you know, someone who could develop into a good shooter. Uh, just, someone... wait,
0: just wait until we talk about the lot of guys that I'm not sold on. Okay, here we go. Okay, <laughs>
1: All right, here we go. <laughs> uh, uh, some so some guy for me that I'm uh, I'm pretty lower on right now. I think is um, Walker Ke- Walker Kessler. Uh, I just I'm just not a buyer, and especially in drafting bigs who really don't have you know that. Like diverse of an offensive skill set, taking them within the lottery. I think I saw him today. He was ranked, I think, at 19. So maybe, maybe we'll see if Tim Con-
0: Tim Conley picks him. Um, if, if he picks him, I'll be I'll be I'll be laughing my head off. There is no way he is picking Walker Kessler at 19. That would be insane.
1: Especially when you have Carl Anthony Towns. Like I don't exactly. Yeah, I don't. I don't think that'd be the case. But for me, I just think you know Walker is someone who I think he he was on the All Defense Team at at Auburn. Um, I do think he's a decent shot blocker, but. When you ask him to move, uh, get out of the paint, that's when it gets kind of tough. And if he's going to be guarding uh, how many pick and rolls in a game, it's going to be tough to see you know, him being scheme versatile. I don't think he could really play you know, at the level. I don't think he could really be someone who's a good hedger. I think he could be decent in drop. Um, but I don't know about his offensive skill set as well. You know, Decent, decent shooting uh, we saw you know, at Auburn. Um, decent around the rim as well. Um, but there was a game against Miami in the tournament. I don't know if, if you watched. Uh, Miami basically played five out, um, kind of like how the Nuggets do. They played five out. Their center was a stretch big, and he was asked to leave the paint, and it was a disaster. He got benched. Um, right. Miami Miami won that game, and you know, comfortable in a comfortable way. Um, so for me, I just I'm not really seeing the appeal with him of being a top 25 guy. I've seen actually, I've actually seen mock drafts have him even close to lottery range as well. He wasn't invited to the green room, but I do think he'll probably be within that top 20 range. Um, so for me, I actually I don't I don't even have him in the first round uh, to be honest with you.
0: Um yeah, so he's, I been, think I have he's been him locked him
1: like in that
0: range. I have him like a back end of the first round or so, and and just he, he seems like a guy if, if Denver drafted him at 30, I wouldn't be upset because it's just a commitment to saying, Hey, we have a steady uh backup center that we can go to on a consistent basis. We don't have to continue to cycle out different guys at the backup position. can just trust Walker Kessler and and then you find a small ball five option and you're fine. Uh, but I, I also think like look, these, these resources are limited. Denver has to make the most of them. That might not be the best use of resources for most of the teams in the first round as well. So I, I totally get that. Uh, got another name?
1: Um, another name that I have here, let me pull my big board quick. Sorry, you're good. Um, so another name that I've moved down a little bit, um, I would say for me, I would probably say Agbaje, to be honest with you. Um, a lot of people have him pretty highly ranked. Um, I'm actually, you know, I'm a, I'm an Oakshire fan. You know, I've, I actually, I, I saw him in person. I went to St. John's uh, versus Kansas to scout him and Brown. Um, yeah, I'm a St. John's fan. So, um, you know, seeing them in person playing. Sorry. Uh, <laughs> I'm just yeah, no, they're, no they're, they're not good. It's fine. It's fine. They're not good. Um, yeah, but about you, to me, I think, um, he's being a bit overrated right now as having a, a kind of like a false ceiling. I, I don't really see what else he could be, be doing as far as like, is he going to be running pick and rolls? Is he going to, is he going to be, um, you know, is he going to be a dead eye shooter, which I think he's going to be a good shooter. I don't think he's going to be an elite one, but I think his defense is also a little bit overrated on the, as far as, you know, off ball. Um, I do like his on ball defense. Like if he fell to the twenties in the Nuggets range, I'd be ecstatic if he was the pick. Um, but for me, I don't, I don't think there's really a case to take him lottery where I feel, I feel comfortable doing it.
0: Yeah. It just, it just seems I, I have him 19. I have, uh, Beauchamp 17. I've got Williams 15. I've got Oshai, nineteen and Dalen Terry twenty Wendell Moore twenty one, uh, so like it's 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 in that range and I just I don't know what he's done really as a, cause as a twenty two year old to really separate himself from the rest of those guys. Like he just right. he seems like a player that is going to be a three and D specialist at the next level. And he also like like it's it's not a perfect set in stone three point shot that he's going to be able to hit at a consistent rate. Like we're gonna we're gonna see if he's a dead eye shooter or not. I'm I'm not certain about that. So there's there's some there are some concerns there. Um, one guy that I want to mention, Jaden Hardy, he's more of a combo guard, and so probably not necessarily in Denver's range. But as much as Dyson Daniels and Marjan Beauchamp and guys like that have really boosted their stock, Jalen Green last year, John the last year. Jaden Hardy was awful uh, for, for most of the season for G league ignite. And definitely. although he was definitely like th- there was a narrative about him that he was selfish and taking a whole bunch of bad shots and just trying to showcase himself a lot uh, as a chucker. And, and I don't know if that was necessarily true. He just seemed like a guy that was lost in the moment, a little bit trying to make good decisions. And then they just turned out to be bad ones, but uh he just i'm i'm a little bit concerned about somebody like him and if if denver were to draft him based kind of off of his high school tape which is something that they've done with other guys in the past i i would be a little bit concerned because it just seems like a guy that's that's got a long way to go to do things that are more valuable as defense and passing and uh, connective tissue stuff as opposed to kind of the scoring stuff so i don't know that's that's a guy that i'd i'd be concerned about though he is consistently in the 20s
1: definitely no, no, I definitely watched a lot of, you know, G League, uh, G League night, uh, just because, you know, both champs in that range, Dyson Daniels, another guy who's going to get probably on the top 10. Um, Yeah, Hardy's for me, he would be, I think he'd be a little bit of a poor fit with the Nuggets, but, um, you know, a scoring guard, I think he actually did get better uh, toward the end of the season, as far as, you know, he was a bigger contributor, you know, on the defensive end, he was passing the ball a little bit better. I think his numbers actually, um, you know, improved as far as from an efficiency standpoint. So um, I think he wouldn't be that great of a pit, uh, fit for Denver, but. I do think he could be a decent scoring guard uh, in the league. And I think he'd be actually be a decent uh, fit in the twenties. I have him. I've met 20 right now on my board.
0: I think I, I have like 25. So we're not like that far off there. Actually at 27 below Christian Brown at 26. Um, I have Kendall Brown at 30. And he's one of those guys that when you watch him more and more, like, and you just kind of go away from the, the stats-based stuff, the numbers-based stuff, when you look at it, like, Oh man, he shot sixty three percent on twos. That's pretty impressive. Uh, when you just watch him a little bit more, I, I don't really know what he does on the offensive end. There's a lot of people that are really interested in Walker and in, uh, in not Walker, uh, Kendall Brown. I just I, I can't really get there with him at twenty one, maybe thirty, but not twenty one.
1: I agree. No, I agree. I think he wouldn't be he wouldn't be a good fit for Denver. You see, like we have already have Aaron Gordon on the team. I think that would be a pretty redundant uh, kind of skill set. Um, decent defender, a pretty good cutter, actually a pretty decent passer as well. But I just think the offense is really, really far away right now. You know, I know, I know the Nuggets worked him out the other day. Um, I just think that the offense is so far away right now where I don't think the balance of, you know, being a better defender than having the poor offense would really balance out and, you know, make him kind of playable right now, especially on a playoff team. Um, but I, I could get there in the first round. I think I have him around probably like 29 right now as well. Um, he definitely slipped as far as, you know, the beginning of the year. He was the guy who was mocked in the lottery. Um, So to see him kind of fall out of favor, you know, even with Baylor too, toward the end, I think he was coming off the bench, uh, really wasn't playing that heavy of minutes in the tournament too. Um, So that's kind of a concern. But um, I do think he has a decent baseline of of defense, uh, quickness, decent transition game, passing, but you're just going to need some sort of semblance of scoring potential to really, you know, make an impact.
0: Who's another guy for you that you're a little bit eh on?
1: Another guy that I would say that I'm a little bit lower on is probably, I would say honestly, uh, Nik- Nikola I'm sorry to the to the <laughs> uh, the Serbian fans out there. Uh, got a lot a lot of love for everyone there, but uh, just for me, you know, I just don't. I just think the defense in watching the film was was really disastrous. Closeout technique was just not great at all. Constant blowbys on the perimeter. Um, I like, I do like a lot of his offense game. He can run pick and roll, you know, at that height. That's pretty rare. Um, I just don't know in the league, is he going to be a guy who teams are going to say, you know what, we're going to make Jovic run this many pick and rolls a night. Um, decent shooter as well. Um, I actually thought the, like the form was, wasn't bad, but, you know, being like a six eleven like off ball guy and said that he can't really run pick and rolls. I don't really, I don't really know how that's going to translate. So I have him in the first round right now because I do think he has some potential, but I just think that the defense is just going to be, it's going to be, it's going to be a large issue because who's he going to guard? Is he going to guard fours? I think he's going to get, he's going to get bullied in the paint, but then also too, if he's trying to close down perimeter wings, I think that's also going to go pretty, pretty South as well.
0: Yeah. Young guy, uh, still, still pretty light. He's still, he, he looks like a kid. I was there for the, uh, for the workout that he did. And he still looks like a kid despite being six eleven, and, and clearly has good physical tools to be able to get there one day. But I, I just, I, I don't get it with him. I, I think a lot of people, a lot of people are just trying to think the best of him and, and kind of overlooking the fact, Oh, he's, he's a, he's a subpar defender, but it's, it's not that bad. Like he'll learn, right. he'll learn, he'll get better. It takes time. And like, he's 19 years old. Are you going to, are you willing to wait two years, three years for that to really, kind of round into form a little bit more i'm i'm not really sold on that denver doesn't have three years to to kind of wait around i still have him at 23 because the right team could uh kind of stash him a little bit not necessarily draft and stash but like they can they can develop him and, and put him into a good situation like he should go to the spurs frankly that's the place where he should go right um but for denver who needs to win right now i i just can't get behind it uh, bryce mcgowans is another guy I kind of like that for me he gets consistently mocked in the first round by a lot of people, and I don't get it. I think he was awful for an awful team and didn't do anything other than shoot the ball at, at Nebraska, and that kind of makes me uncomfortable for a team that went 4-16 and 16 in conference play.
1: Right. His efficiency, too, wasn't really great as well. Um, yeah, like
0: if your if you're best, best trade is scoring and you scored a below-average clip, then what are we doing here?
1: Right. Right. I have him in the second round as well. So I'm I'm not really hot that high on McGowan's.
0: Yeah, I know a I lot just, of people I just, are. I
1: know a lot of people are higher on
0: him. I have seen uh I've seen KOC rank him like twenty-three. He he ranked him to and, and mocked him to the nuggets as one point. And I'm like, really? Are we are we sure yeah. about that? Like that just that doesn't seem like the the right fit for Denver. But uh either way, uh any guys kind of in that range that you're still not sold on, or do you want to move more towards lottery guys before you hit a break?
1: Um probably another guy that i would say that i'm i'm not really sold on um probably for me i would say let me just see i'm looking through my board right now probably mark williams i have him 18. i just don't really get taking another there we go i don't really (laughs) see another like another reason to take he can't he can't really shoot his offensive skill set is a bit concerning um you know he's a around the rim player you know gonna feast on offensive rebounds um You know, putbacks somebody who's going to be a lob threat as well, um, which is important. I think that's that's a really important skill. But I also too, I don't think he's as scheme versatile as people are leading to believe. Like, I don't think if you're going to play him in a in a hedge or like a at the level, I think that's not really. I think people could turn the corner on him. I think players could get around him, um, and make reads in that aspect. But I do think in drop coverage, I think he's going to be pretty good. But
0: I think he's a he's a great bet to be the 15th ranked center, like. If you're doing your player your player rankings, when he's in his prime or or pretty close to it, he's just a great bet to be an average starter at center, maybe slightly above average, and that to me is is fine when you're when you're taking somebody kind of outside the lottery. If you feel like a guy can do that, that's absolutely fair. Walker Kessler's different; like he's not necessarily in that same tier. I have him in the first round tier, Walker Kessler, but he's at 29, and Mark Williams is at 18. Uh, I have Jalen Duran at 11. And I guess we can kind of use that as a transition to the lotto guys. I'm not sure even why I have Jalen Duran at 11 and Mark Williams at 18. Like, I, I just feel like those guys should not be that separate. Like what, what is, what is Mark Williams doing that's not as valuable as what Jalen Duran's doing right now?
1: Oh, I am I have Duran at 11 as well. Um, Just for me, I just, as far as bigs in that range, I don't, I don't feel comfortable putting him in the top 10. I just have right. a bunch of guys who so actually, I actually just like, more than Duren. It's not actually his fault that he's that low. Um, as far as for me with Duren, I think the, the main difference, I actually like Duren's offensive game. I think he hit a mid-range jump shot. I think that he's going to eventually become a three-point shooter um, in, that re- in that way. I think actually, too, I think he's a really, really uh, decent – for right now, I think he's actually showed flashes of being a short-roll passer, which I think is important. You know, when teams double the ball, I think I've seen Portland being a fit for him. Teams double Damian Lillard, he can make uh, reads out of the short roll, which is really important, where – Mark Williams, I didn't see him have any. I didn't see any flashes of him doing that. So I think that's the main differentiator. Where I think, you know, right now I think he's more of a big where you can use in, in as far as being schemes uh, versatile offensively, where he can hit a mid-range jump shot if you leave him open. He can also put the ball on the deck a little bit too, and then he can make short roll reads. So I think that's the main differentiator. I think Williams is a bit taller. He's a bit. He's like seven foot. Durant I think is about six ten. So I think that's a little bit a little bit of the differentiator right there, but I do like Durant's offensive skill set more um, than Williams. I think Durant actually is more versatile as a switch, uh, switch big too. I don't think he's going to hmm. be switching one through five, but I do think that he could switch in a pinch if you need um, at times, where Williams, I don't think. If you switch against him, I think it's, it's probably going to be a
0: problem. Yeah, as you can tell, I haven't spent as much time on the centers as I have for the rest of the guys for obvious reasons, but – um either way any other lotto guys that you're not really sold on right now
1: um I think I think we hit on all the guys yeah definitely Williams for me where I have him 18 um I would say Daniels I have 14 um Keegan Murray I have 10 I think that's he's he's actually been mocked pretty high I think the Kings are pretty crazy that the Kings are going to take him over Jaden Ivey that's looking like that's going to be the case which is uh Hey, at least Jaden goes to the East Eastern Conference. Good for us. <laughs> sure. But, but uh, yeah, Keegan for me, I have him in the top ten. But I just like a lot more guys in the range over him. Hmm.
0: I, I initially like. I had Shaden and Sharp on my list of guys that I really like, but I, I, I don't feel confident with that for obvious reasons. Um, for I, li- I like Benedict Matherin. Actually, no, that's that's not that's not he's he's somebody that I'm not really sold on. I, there was a lot of like. I can kind of try on defense for for Arizona this year because he can kind of float a little bit because their team is so freaking good that they could kind of get by. Uh, He's not going to be able to do that at the next level. He's a guy that has the physical body to be a Jimmy Butler type. Like you're going to want him to be a two-way player or a Jalen Brown or somebody like that. But if he's not going to be that level of defender, he better be a great scorer and shooter. So I, But I don't know if he's going to be that either. So we're going to have to see with him. And Johnny Davis, like I, he, to me always plays like he's six three and, and you watch him on film and I know he's listed at six, five and three quarters or whatever he was listed at in shoes in the combine. And I, I know that he was, but for whatever reason, like just the way that he plays, the style that he plays, I'm not sold on his ability to be big at the position, which is something that I think even a guy like Devin Booker has really figured out. Like, even though, like, he's at 6'5", but he plays like it. he plays when he, when he switches on to other guys that are smaller than him, he figures it out and really has that, that ability to create and shoot. I know that Johnny Davis, that's at the scouting report that he can, if he can't do it at that efficient of a level, and he doesn't ever get to that level as a three-point shooter, then I, I think he's got some, not bust potential, but like, disappointment potential.
1: For sure. You know, I definitely, in the film I've, I've seen, I think he does play a little bit smaller than his type. Um, But for me, I'm just really, really high on the defense. Really, really sure. high. We're seeing, you know, we're seeing in the playoffs, you know, guard defenders are at, you know, are really at a premium right now. Um, being able to guard, you know, Steph Curry and Jordan Poole. Um, you know, even Clay matching up on a bigger wing, I think he could scale up a little bit too, just because he's so physical. Um, I, that's pretty funny that those two guys are the guys we differentiate on right now, because I'm, I'm a pretty big Mathurin guy as well. Uh, I have Matherin, I have him at eight right now. Um, I just like Matherin's, you know, baseline of, you know, being pretty big on the perimeter. I think he's about six, 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 seven. 6'7". Um, really good shooter, uh, shoot-off movement. Where I think the sell for him is that he's going to be like a really, really potent shooter, uh, off-ball mover, but I really like the athleticism. You know, I've seen him split a bunch of pick and rolls. I think he's kind of getting better in that aspect of making some passing out of the pick and rolls. I think his defense, like you mentioned, I think he kind of floated around a little bit just because Arizona was so good. You know, in playing with Dale and Terry, where he kind of took the big, the better assignment on that end of the floor, kind of gave and the ability to really focus on the offense and kind of float on defense. But, yeah, those are two guys for me that I have in the top eight right now.
0: Yeah, I, I have Benedict at, at eight as well. So it's not like I'm I'm super far off on him. I also have Keegan at six and, and Shaden Sharp at five. Um, I nearly said Jeremy Sohan. Like, I know that there's a lot of people on draft Twitter that are like, I love Jeremy Sohan. It's, it's the yeah. very in thing to love Jeremy Sohan in this draft. He'll it, be good. Like, I, I, I think he's going to be good. I, I think that it's a lot of projection to say that he is going to be a, a massively impactful defender at the next level. You're going to need him to be that dude on the defensive level. And he, he may get there. He's young enough that you, you think he could get there. But we just haven't seen a lot of him in order to really say that. He was a bench guy for most of the year, right? Baylor, right? Right. So yeah. So I'm I'm a little bit I'm a little bit concerned about that. But I mean, if if Denver got him, I'd be like, yes, you got the perfect guy in between Porter and, and Jokic long term. That's great. Uh, right. but that's because he's kind of like an Aaron Gordon clone too. Um all right. How about this? Let's take a break when we come back. I had I teased this to you at the beginning. Uh we are gonna play a game. We're gonna do a choose your own adventure on various scenarios that the nuggets can go down for the rest of this offseason. We will be right back. Big Axe and Roll, Ryan Blackburn here, joined by C.T. Fazio. Uh, Denver has so many paths. They have so many different avenues that they can go down. I I don't really have a locked-in way that I think that they can go, and I I honestly think that the 30th overall pick, it wasn't necessarily because they had somebody in mind at 30. I just think that they have options now, and there's there's a little bit of flexibility that they can use with trades and trying to get various guys. So we're going to play a game. I am going to play, let's make a deal with you. And we are going to do choose door number 1, door number 2 and door number 3 on the various off-season scenarios where I give you the exact layout of what the Nuggets do this off-season and you tell me at the end which scenario you're choosing. What would be the dream Nuggets scenario for this year? Are you ready to play?
1: I'm ready, let's do it.
0: All right, door number 1. The Nuggets are getting ready draft Jalen Williams at 21 when they receive a call from the Philadelphia 76ers. The Sixers are looking to move up to draft Jake Laravia. They believe in him as a long-term fit next to Joel Embiid and Tyrese Maxey, and they want to get ahead of the Grizzlies who are at 22 and are are thinking about drafting him. They're interested in making a trade with the Nuggets. They offer the Nuggets except the deal is Will Barton and the 21st overall pick for Danny Green, Matisse the 23rd pick, and a future second rounder. Pretty good deal for the Nuggets. So you have to take on the dead money for Danny Green because he has a, a major ACL tear. Um, the Nuggets then select Jalen Williams at 23 anyway because he falls to them at 23. And they select Christian Coloca at 30 as a, as a backup center option, somebody that they go through with that offseason. Denver knows that they can't go into the season with only Matisse Teibel as the starting wing though. So they sign Cody Martin, to the taxpayer MLE in free agency. They also get Jeff Green to opt in. They bring back to Marcus Cousins as their backup center. Uh, so Christian Coloco doesn't have to do it by himself. And they sign PJ Dozier, who miraculously has, has recovered from, from his ACL tear. And, and, and as Adrian Wojnarowski put today, uh, he, is, he is on the market and, and going to be ready for training camp. We'll we'll see if that's actually true. I, I love P.J. though. Uh, so they yeah. signed him to a, t- a two-year uh, team-friendly contract with a, a non-guarantee on the second year, uh, but they are looking to bring back an old face. They don't get the high-quality starter at shooting guard, but they get some options in the building. And they don't have to go to do too much to get there. To recap, the main additions are Matisse Steibel. Danny Green as the injured option, Cody Martin, Jalen Williams, Christian Coloco, DeMarcus Cousins, Jeff Green, and P.J. Dozier. You don't trade Monte Morris. You don't trade Bones Highland. You keep those guys in-house, and you build a nice-looking roster that way. Though You don't necessarily get the solid shooting guard option that everybody's hoping for. CT, what do you think of door number one?
1: Um, I'm declining this deal. You don't even know what the other
0: options are. You don't even know.
1: That's true. But for me, I'm just I'm I'm really out on the package for Philadelphia for a variety of reasons. Um, Danny Green, someone who's not going to return for a while. Um, And Matisse Dybal, I'm just completely out on him in general. I just think he's a massive liability on the offensive end. And I think his defense is a bit overrated. I just think that he's not really a one on one guy. He's a guy who gets a lot of stocks as far as, you know, off the ball on that aspect. But I just think the offense is just way too. Way too much of an anchor. You know, we saw in the playoffs, he really wasn't, wasn't great. Against Miami, he was borderline almost unplayable. Um, but I do, like, aspects of the deal I do like. I like Coloco getting him at 30. I think he'd be a great backup option. Um, I like him over a lot of guys in that range. You know, Walker Kessler, I like him over. I like him over um, uh, Kamigate. I like him over a bunch of guys in that range. Um, Jalen Williams would be a great pick, especially getting him at 23. But I don't think that deal really – kind of sharpens Denver's perimeter attack as far as getting someone who's offensively capable as well as being a a defensive upgrade as well. Um, so for that deal I would have to be I'm a little bit pessimistic when it comes to that when it comes to that deal.
0: I'm kind of surprised that you didn't give it as much thought because I think between Tybal, Cody Martin, and Jalen Williams, you don't necessarily have to have the perfect guy. In addition, Danny Green, an expiring deal. He's $10 million in salary that you could use in a trade in the future. You don't necessarily have to like keep him around as dead money for the entire season. You could potentially flip him at the deadline for something valuable. Let's say Bones Highland and Danny Green for a starting caliber shooting guard that's a little bit better than Tybalt. But on to door number two, we have eliminated door number one from the competition. Door number two, the Nuggets have been working the phones all draft day. They are really struggling between two different deals. Indiana, They're interested in kickstarting their rebuild and are willing to discuss Malcolm Brogdon trades, but they won't let go of the idea of Bones Highland and Tyrese Halliburton playing together. They're offering Brogdon for Will Barton, Jeff Green, who opts into his deal, Bones Highland, and the 21st overall pick. The Nuggets are a little bit tentative. They have another deal on the table with the Grizzlies, who are offering Dylan Brooks for Monte Morris and the 30th pick on the other line. You get a little bit bigger. You kind of figure out your, your backup point guard situation, solidify that a little bit with Bones. They're willing to move on from Brooks, the Grizzlies are, after the playoffs. They know that they need a replacement for Tyus Jones, so they go get Monte Morris. Denver, they decide to go with the Memphis Steel, Keep, play things a little bit safer. They trade Monte and 30 for Brooks. Denver brings back Will Barton as a sixth man. They know that he, he could be on the move, but they decide let's, let's play it out with them instead. And at 21, every strong wing prospect has now gone off the board and the Nuggets are left with a choice between forwards and point guards. They decide to go with EJ Liddell. In free agency, Denver decides to solidify their backup center spot with the taxpayer MLE. They are signing Mitchell Robinson to be Bones' new pick and roll partner and above the rim target. Denver re-signs Austin Rivers. Jeff Green opts in. They don't actually trade Jeff Green. He's back on the team as a solid option. The Nuggets also signed Raul Neto as a minimum deal uh, for the, to be the third point guard, bringing back Vlatko to be Joker's buddy. You get your solid shooting guard starter in Dylan Brooks. You improve your wing defense, and you clear up some of the gaps on the roster with the major additions being Dylan Brooks. While Barton moves to the bench, you don't lose him. EJ Liddell, Mitchell Robinson. Austin Rivers, Jeff Green, Raul Neto, and Flacco Chanchar. CT, what do you think of door number two?
1: I like this deal a lot. I, I really – I think for Brooks, you know, we saw in the playoffs his shot selection was a bit erratic, but I do like his defense. I think his defense is a substantial upgrade compared to Will Barton. Um, you know, I think – and, you know, parting with Monte, which is unfortunate, uh, and the 30th pick, I don't think that's too steep of a price for a guy like Brooks. Um, I like the Mitchell Robinson addition as well. You know, having a, someone who's a really, really potent lob threat to pair with Bones in the backcourt. And then keeping Barton, too, as a sixth man for one more year, I think that's pretty important. If you have a guy like Barton coming off your bench, I think that's, that's, that's incredible. And, um, you know, having – I would say having wing defense like Rivers, Brooks, and Gordon, I think those are three capable options where you could throw out a variety of guys where I think that's, that's more than enough because Brooks could guard guards, but he, he could also scale up and guard wings as well. So him and Gordon, that aspect is really good having rivers to guard guards. I think that's, that's good. So I, I, I like this deal. I would, I would heavily consider it.
0: I think it's an interesting idea. And, and a lot of people are wanting the taxpayer Emily to be a a guard, a, a wing defender, whoever it is, but there are some centers and there are some capable guys that you could get that would really help Denver. I think and Mitchell Robinson is one of those guys. He's a, he's a dynamic player when you give him an opportunity to be, I don't know if you'd be willing to do this deal. Maybe it's more of like a, a one- or two-year deal as opposed to the full three-year taxpayer mid-level. But I think it's an interesting option and something that Denver should probably consider. But on to door number three, we need, we need to know what door number three is, CT. The Nuggets have a deal lined up already to solidify their starting unit that doesn't involve any of their first-round picks. So they're looking to move up in the draft. They're trying to get aggressive, trying to add to their, favorite with, to their, their long-term prospects with their favorite wing prospect in the draft. A.J. Griffin. They know his floor is at twelve, so they're calling Washington and New York at ten and eleven, offering both first-round picks to make the big move. Twenty-one and thirty. The Knicks they want Denver to take on Evan Fournier's deal. The Nuggets they are doing everything that they can to avoid doing such. The the proposed package is Evan Fournier and the eleventh pick for Will Barton, Jeff Green, twenty-one and thirty. The Wizards they want Bones Highland in the deal. And the Nuggets don't want to give him up just to move up 11 spots in the draft. So the Nuggets, they renegotiate with the Knicks. They decide to offer Monte Morris, 21, and a 2023 second-round pick they just got with the, the Thunder deal. And they are getting Nerland Noel and the 11th overall pick. The Knicks accept Denver Draft's A.J. Griffin. Then Denver Draft's Gonzaga point guard Andrew Nemhard at the 30th pick, which has been rumored by Jake Fisher, where he solidifies Denver's point guard position behind Bones Highland. The deal I alluded to earlier, it also happens to be with the Wizards. They are willing to do a Will Barton and a 2024 second round pick for Kentavious Caldwell-Pope. They're trying to do right by a player that doesn't really want to be there anymore. They get a guy from the, the DMV area in Will Barton back in-house and they plan on probably flipping Barton at the deadline, but they're still going to have some scoring that they can add around Bradley Beal. Denver loses some friendly faces, but they gain another one signing Gary Harris to the full taxpayer MLE. They also sign Robin Lopez to a minimum deal to be their third center behind Noel. Denver gets that solid shooting guard starter, improving their wing defense and their point of attack defense, and they also get a high ceiling prospect in the process. To recap, the major additions are Contavius Caldwell-Pope, New Orleans Noel, A.J. Griffin, Andrew Nemhart, Gary Harris, Robin Lopez, and Jeff Green. CT, what do you think of door number three?
1: This is this contention with me for door number two as far as taking you know that deal. Um, my ideal offseason would be getting actually Contavius Caldwell-Pope as the starting shooting guard next year. I think he makes a ton of sense for, as far as being a good shooter, you know, someone who you're not really going to rely on that much. Uh, to create offense, just someone who could catch and shoot, um, you know, maybe take some mid-range shots, but, you know, play as a, as a really good defender. Um, I like the A.J. Griffin deal. I actually don't even think it was that steep to get him, you know, Monte, and I think, what did you say, 21, 30?
0: Yeah, Monte, 21, and a second-round pick for Merlin Snowell and 11. They they might decide that they want to take a little bit, but I think they, they'd they rather get Monte Morris because they're not getting Jalen Brunson. We'll, we'll go uh-huh. with that.
1: Right. <laughs> Yeah, that, no, that deal, I think, is good. Um, and getting A.J. Griffin, you know, someone who's a good shooter um, in that range, I think, would be pretty good. Uh, even then, I think – even not getting Griffin, I think there's a bunch of guys in that range that would be pretty good. Um, you know, Tyree Easton's another one maybe in that range. Um, Benedict Matherin, if he falls, Johnny Davis, another guy as well. So I think yeah. there's good options in that, in that range. And you're only giving me up one first-round pick. You're only giving me up that, you know, pick 21 and then, like, one or two second-rounders. And you're getting Cole Pope. You're getting a good lob threat in, in Noel and you're getting a, you know, a pretty good prospect and, you know, whoever the pick would be at, at 11, you know, AJ Griffin or, uh, whoever else. So I think, uh, number three is overall a good deal. And you're not really, I, w- I would say you're, you're using your assets, um, you know, in a good way, as far as improving the team.
0: All right. So we have door number one where you get Jalen Williams, one of the top wing prospects for Denver, uh, but you don't necessarily solidify the starting shooting guard spot of the process. You could go door number two, where you get Dylan Brooks, a, a much maligned Dylan Brooks from this offseason, uh, from, from these last playoffs, but you also get some other guys that might fit pretty well. Or you could go door number three, where you trade up heavily in the draft. You still get Cantavius Caldwell Pope. You still get some of the guys here looking for uh, in terms of uh, the temporary, but you also get A.J. Griffin as an elite shooting prospect, who you think could be a really helpful piece down the road. CT, which of these doors are you taking? This is
1: tough for me. It's between two and three. Just because three, you're giving up, uh, I would say, substantially more assets. And um, again, you're getting a good prospect. But do you really? I don't know if AJ Griffin's going to be a contributor um, right away. I think they're going to have to probably, you know, allocate minutes for him being a high pick. Um, so he's probably going to have to play off the bench. And it's tough because Brooks, I think, is a good defender. Uh, I think you're giving up substantially less. You're only giving up Monte and pick 30, and you're also keeping 21 uh, to pick Liddell in that range. So. Um, for me, I would probably – this is tough. I'd probably say door number three just to the fact that you're giving up a little more assets, but I think you're going for it. As far as you're getting decent shot blocker in a well, I think would be a good partner for Bones in the pick and roll. Contavious caldwell pope could uh, step in right away and be a good starter. You know, someone who's in the playoffs proven to be uh, a really good, reliable uh, defender and three-point shooter. Um, so I think that, you know, that deal kind of gives the Nuggets a good prospect and two rotation pieces, one starter, where um, you're using your assets uh, wisely and, and also you know, giving uh, Jokic a chance to really compete this year.
0: I like it. I think it's, a, I think it's reasonable. I don't think it's that crazy. I think uh, Bones is the guy that you get uh, to be the backup point guard. You've got Gary Harris as the backup two, AJ Griffin backup three. Uh, you go Zeke Najee at the backup four, Nerlens Noel backup five. It, it just, it, I think that makes logical sense. And you get Jeff Green as as kind of your veteran uh, to tie everything together on the bench. But you, you don't necessarily have to spend too much in order to get those guys while you still keep the, the team relatively young and cheap for the foreseeable future with A.J. Griffin and with Andrew, Andrew Nemhard as like four-year guys. And I, I just, I think it makes sense. I honestly do. And I like these I like these thought exercises because I think a lot of Nuggets fans are just hoping for, uh, a specific deal, but everything ties into everything else. And it's so hard to make a deal that it could affect your entire plan. Like, and sometimes you, you have to separate your draft and your, and your free agency and trade stuff because it's all so difficult to do. And you just want to make sure you get one thing that you really game plan for this off season. But I think the nuggets are in a really interesting spot. They have a lot of different ways that they could go. I feel like I, 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 Described those pretty well, along with the Malcolm Brogdon one. That, let's talk about that one, actually. Would you do that deal? It was I think it was uh, Will Barton, Jeff Green, Bones Highland, and the 21st overall pick for Malcolm Brogdon.
1: I think for me, I think that's a little steep. Um, giving up Bones, I think, would be a, a pretty, big, uh, pretty big bummer. Um, 21 and Barton, and then Jeff Green, too. Uh, I think for Brogdon, as a guy, he's, he's had a little bit of an injury problem. Over the past, I think, year or two um, to kind of rely on him as being basically, I think, the starting shooting guard, Um, especially next to Murray, who's just towards ACL, too. I think, you know, I like Brogdon if he was healthier. Um, I think he'd actually be an ideal fit if he was if he was healthy. Um, But with the uncertainty uh, this year and is his contract, does he have any more years left on his deal or is this?
0: I feel uh, like he just signed an extension, but I could be wrong about that. Let me go to their payroll real quick. Um. Oh, yeah. No, he's he's signed through uh, – he's signed for another three years. This year – this upcoming year, 23-24 and 24-25. So, in line with Murray's contract.
1: Yeah, I think for me, I think that'd be a little steep. And then, you know, factoring the contract details, um, he may be tough to move if um, he stays he stays injured.
0: It's true. Um, it's a tough one because he is a good fit. He's I think he's the most logical, ideal fit from a fifth starter kind of standpoint, but it's also going to be a steep price. Would you pay that price if he's like a Drew Holiday-level fit for a Milwaukee Bucks team? Uh, Denver didn't do it last time. I think they probably would do it this time, though. That's why, that's why we're hearing about all these, these rumors and these uh, ruminations in general. Uh, but I do think that Denver, they're kicking around a lot of these different scenarios. They're talking with all these teams. They're trying to see who's available, who's not. Uh, we'll, we'll get a better picture of who is available by the NBA draft. But I think a lot of these things are going to be solved on draft night, too because Denver has the 21st pick, they have the 30th pick, and then the next first they can trade is 2029. So you're probably going to do some stuff on draft night because trading uh, 2022 first-round picks kind of has to be on draft night uh, from a CBA perspective. But either way, I think that was fun. I, I enjoyed that. That's, that, was a, that was an interesting experience for me. Um, is there a, a, something that would be a dream scenario that I didn't talk about?
1: I would say for me, I think my dream scenario, I'm curious to actually hear what yours, you know what yours is as well. I think my dream scenario would be taking Beauchamp at twenty one. Any of those wing guys I think would be would be perfect that we mentioned before. Beauchamp, Brown, Wendell Moore, even Dale Terry, Jalen Williams for sure. Um Bochamp is for me my my number one option. I just think he's ideal for whatever he wants to do. You could slide him in next to Porter Jr. He actually played high school ball Porter Jr., funny enough. Yeah. Um you can slide him in next to Gordon as well if you need um, have, you know, two good defenders guys who were physical in the paint, both champs and improving shooters. So, um, that's going to be a little tough right now, but I do th- I like his passing. I-, I like his cutting. I like his athleticism next to Yolk's That could be really potent. Um, and then probably trading for me, would be trading 30. I mean, I'm not, I don't know if you have to trade a first rounder with barn to get Contavious Caldwell Pope. I'm interested to hear your thoughts. Um, maybe you could trade barn because barn for me, I think he has value. I don't think he's a negative asset. He's going, he's an expiring deal. Good shooter. Obviously, the defense is a little bit hit or miss this year, but if you could trade um, 30 and Barn for Contavious Caldwell-Pope and draft Bocham at 21, I think that would, be, that would be an ideal draft.
0: Yeah, it's, it's tough. Like, that's, it's like walking the fine line. You would rather not do it, but if it came down to it, I think that they probably would. The problem is that KCP is an expiring deal, and you're probably not wanting to trade for somebody that could just – sign and go somewhere else so right. i have to imagine that they would want to like maybe maybe if they did that they would agree to an extension beforehand or something like that i don't know if they they would do that i don't know if that's something that they, they'd prefer to do but it does kind of seem like kcp would be a good fit from a just a logical 3 and d perspective if they could make that happen um my dream bits let me just stop uh, i think DeAnthony melton is somebody that I keep kind of dancing around just because I, I like a, like a Monte for D'Anthony Melton swap or something like that. Because if you're, if you're trying to get a better point of attack defender, you don't necessarily have to go with a six, five guy for that. You could go with a, a six, three guy, like a, like a D'Anthony, uh, although he may be like six, two or so, but he's he's as good of a point of attack defender as you can get for that price. And there's, there's not a lot of guys on the market that I think you can get. So He's somebody with the Grizzlies that I'd be I'd be exploring around too.
1: Yeah, he'd be a good option. I would like Melton in, uh, in Denver.
0: Well, this has been fun. You've been fantastic. I really appreciate all of the insight that you've shared about the draft, as well as just helping me play out those scenarios in my head. I thought that that was, I hope that was entertaining podcast content for people. I think it should be good. Uh, but either way, where can the people find your work? Where where can they they follow you on Twitter?
1: First off, Ryan, thanks for having me on. I, re- I really appreciate you having me. Uh, it was a great discussion. You know, we, I think we really covered a bunch of prospects you know, in yeah. that lottery range. I think we even prepared for a bunch of options that Denver has. You know, They have a bunch of options at their disposal. Um, you know, Guys in that range, guys that want to trade up. Um, so you know, that, the, uh, the exercise was fun as well. So you know, once again, thanks for having me on. I'll, I'll probably have two articles coming out before the draft on Crown Hoops. One will be Nuggets related. Um, to see what they do at 21 and 30 and then also uh, just one in general I'll probably do like a second round uh, second round seal uh, article I usually do every year um, so yeah be on the lookout for that and then obviously I'll be on Twitter uh, logging my thoughts as well at CT5024
0: I love it well, I appreciate you man everybody make sure to go check out CT's work he has been fantastic and a Nuggets uh, true blood through and through so uh, let's uh, let's give a whole bunch of support to our, our Nuggets brethren on Nuggets Twitter so Either way, that is going to do for this episode of Pickaxe and Roll. Brought to you by Superbook Sports. Thank you so much, everybody, for tuning in. I should be back tomorrow. Not really sure. Like I was going to do some second round stuff, but I, I don't even know if I'm going to do that now. We've covered so many prospects, uh, but we'll we'll play it by ear and see what happens. But either way, everybody, thank you so much for tuning in. Appreciate all the love and support as always. We'll talk to you guys tomorrow.